The following is a member of the Growler Media Podcast Network. Find out more at growlermedia.com. Comey Snake. Welcome to Escape from New York Minute, where we celebrate and analyze the dystopian classic one minute at a time. I am Molly Balin. And I am Eric Deutsch. And closing out this week is Tierney Steele Callahan from the MASH Minute. I've been promised parole for my good behavior. Uh, I'm sorry, no. Uh, the rules, as stated by the narrator in Minute 1, uh, the rules are simple. Once you go in, you do not come back out. You are stuck here in our studio. I think you're going to be sick of me by the end of today. You're going to send me back out into the wild. <laughs> I cut a deal. It's all good. Don't worry about it. <laughs> no, seriously, thanks for having me on. I mean, it's just been so much fun. And it was such a nice, I mean, honestly, excuse to watch this movie. Because like I said, I hadn't seen it. And so it's a fun movie to watch, which is weird to say, because it's incredibly violent and a dystopian future, but it's a fun watch. It is. Yeah. It's so interesting because we've had, you know, you're the second guest we've had on now, but both have commented about how like dark and violent this is. And, and I just really view this as like a lighter version of what I've been doing lately, which is, man, I'm going to have to look a little closer about that. But uh, coming off a cabin minute cast with, you know, the, the hyper violence of this, I'm like, Oh yeah, this is pretty chill (laughs) (laughs) in comparison, but yeah, it's definitely a, well, uh, the TV version, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Captain of the Woods couldn't exist in a TV version. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, well, you know, now that I say that we'd probably challenge, you you probably could do it um, because you would maybe be looking at the, the different control centers in different parts of the world and you know maybe you would look at that or i mean it would have to be in the past but okay i digress so we are in minute nine and this minute starts out with snake being led away by guards in the distance and ends with bob hauk's limo pulling up yeah snake let's uh, so we, we talked a lot about kurt russell as an actor yesterday we got into snake a little bit we can get into snake some more here because actually not much happening in this minute there's a lot of walking down a hallway for the most part the name Snake Plissken, as incredibly fake as it sounds, <laughs> is actually not a fake name. This, th- Of all the research I've done for this movie, this might be the thing that most amazed me, that Snake Plissken, which sounds like a name I would have made up when I was like 10, as, you know, some <laughs> like, story I had to write, you know, in like fourth grade about, you know, some write a story and make up a character. A- apparently there is a real snake Pliskin, and there's some conflicting info online about exactly who the person was, but essentially either it was someone John Carpenter knew in high school, or it was a, f- a friend of John Carpenter's knew this person in high school. There was a bully and his name actually was snake Pliskin, And that blows my mind. Wow. Interesting. I'm enjoying the potential libel suit there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, against me? Hey, the mo- I didn't write the movie. No, no, no. I, I mean against the writer. Oh, against John Carpenter. Well, against John Carpenter. I, I, I guess either he never saw the movie or uh, he did see it and he was Looking flat. As a compliment. Yeah, he was flat. <laughs> so um, interesting. It's not necessarily about the character, though, so I'm not sure. But 
in talking and thinking about Snake and this movie, all of a sudden we start getting a lot of underlinings and all capitals and exclamation points where I'm just like, but I don't understand. This makes no sense. I saw the thing about the cutscene where he robbed a Federal Reserve depository and that's how he got here. But I'm like, we don't even know why he's here. Do we ever learn it in the movie? And I think you're right in that having him just dropped into the movie this way is a very cool entrance. We get all these little hints throughout the movie and I still feel like there's never the final piece clicks into place and it, things make sense. Like Contextually... He like, never tells anyone why he's there, what he was arrested for that got him to this point. And to me, the fact that that's never addressed means I never thought of it. I'm just like, we just don't know. For Like, it's it's MacGuffin. It's just plot. It, it I, I feel like there should have been something. I, I, I agree. I don't think you need a whole scene at the beginning showing him getting caught but I think you needed something of how Snake Plissken got to this point in his life. Without even realizing it, Tierney, you have segued into a point that I was going to make. So thank you. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Subconsciously. I'm just that good. <laughs> <laughs> because the novel actually gives a ton of backstory about Snake that the movie, as you say, does not get into at all. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is a good a time as any to, to give this out here. So, all we get from the movies is he was a war hero. How can a few minutes will mention that he was a war hero? And so what the book gets into is he was recruited for a mission that he did not know was set up to fail. And he and his squad, they flew their jets over Leningrad in a battle as, as part of World War III. The, the goal was for Russia to capture a double agent who would give Russia bad intelligence and then hopefully turn the tide of World War III so the U.S. would win. But the Russians saw through the ploy, so everyone gets killed except Snake and his friend Taylor, who's the, the other person in the bank robbery scene, in the deleted scene. This is the mission where Snake loses his eye also. And the Russians use nerve gas in the fight, and so the nerve gas cracks his goggles and eats away at his eye. That's why his eye gets screwed up. And it also causes him a lot of constant pain in his eye, which is why he's always in a bad mood. Mm. Uh, now, you know, this is a little bit of uh, a little bit of reeking of uh, the first five minutes of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade and the movie Solo, where every single thing is getting explained, you know, in one tidy story. But also it, it brings in some other stuff also, because I said a few episodes ago that the U.S. and Russia were using this nerve gas instead of nuclear bombs during World War Three and that New York City was the first city hit. And that's why they chose New York for the prison. Well, it turns out the entire population in the country, according to the novel, is slowly going nuts from this nerve gas. Mm. And that Snake's parents were actually killed by our good friends, the U.S. police force, with the cool old age uh, logo, during a failed hostage rescue, and their life savings were seized by the government. <sighs> so the combination of their deaths and him being set up and screwed over in the battle uh, in Leningrad... That's what turns him away from becoming a patriot. That's what makes him uh, say, screw this, and makes him go rob the bank. Yeah, I think this is a very unique movie in that regard, that you don't get, it's very simple and very linear, and that you don't get a whole lot of context behind where he came from other than mm -hmm. that conversation with Bob Houck. There's a little bit of a tip-off in his costume. There's the fatigues that he wears are not green, they're white. 
So there's an implication that wherever he, you know, was fighting, it was in a snowy area. And of course we don't have any of this. Like I never realized that. Yeah. They're kind of like a weight, uh, a white faded, you know, camo. Yeah. I just thought that was eighties nonsense. (laughs) (laughs) Nonsense. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I can see how, do you guys know, do you guys remember Zubas at all? That is exactly what I was thinking. (laughs) No, what's Zubas? Oh my God. Okay. So your life is about to be changed. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously no one bought you Zuba. Zubas are these like, I think they were elastic waistband pants, but they were kind of like these loose, very colorful pattern pants that dudes would wear. And I think it came out in kind of like the early, it was like a late eighties, early nineties thing. Wasn't it Tierney? It was like, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, and so that I mean they were definitely looser than what he's wearing here, but and and I will admit when I first saw this I was like Zubas, but no, it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh some type of uh a uh, you know, snowbearing camo, but the notes that I had what I saw from um the discussion online was that uh, Carpenter and Russell had decided that he would be fighting a war in Siberia, so they chose, you know, the the snowy version of the camo. But, you know, again, without that context, because there really isn't a direct conversation. I mean, you, again, you talk about Leningrad, which is, you know, the implication that he was, you know, far north in, in Russia. But, yeah, yeah, you don't get a whole lot of that. And that's but that's the whole sense of this movie is that you really do get dropped in with a lot of missing holes that it's very centered around this one mission. And I think that's one of the very interesting writing, you know, concepts behind this whole movie is that you don't get a build to be sensitive to him. They, they never create any kind of, cause I mean, what, you know, Eric just walked through produces a whole lot of empathy for him as a character really mm-hmm. explains a lot of his like, you know, anti government sensibility, you know? And I mean, you yeah. can kind of draw a little bit of that because, you know, Vietnam vets, you know, coming back and being treated exceptionally poorly considering what they went through. And it makes a lot of sense for someone to be anti-government, you know, coming out of that situation. So I feel like, you know, yeah. to bring in Miami Vice and that kind of like Crockett Tubbs, like ex-vet sort of way, you can kind of connect with, with Snake in that regard. But you're right. Like this really doesn't have that traditional... You know, and, and it is interesting. It's it's intentionally left out, I think, for that reason that it's it's very concentrated. He's very like, I'm coming in. I have a mission. It's just this, you know? Yeah. I just, it's it's weird because we get a little bit of the setup with him and how, is that how you say it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then when he runs into the other former soldier, you get a little bit more. And so I thought that that was a really interesting way to to build on what we already knew so that things that we've already seen suddenly make sense in our minds. Instead of having something explained to us, you know, if it can come up naturally as part of talking to these people, and I think throughout the movie he is going to talk to enough people that there could have been, there are opportunities where I could have used a few more breadcrumbs. But Mm. I also, even in just this minute, got very frustrated because um i mean we'll go back and talk but like it's a very confusing fade to black in this minute i love it it's really cool (laughs) but story-wise i realized afterwards looking at this it doesn't add up the hold it the stop the fade to black 
This should be him getting his mission. But but it can't be timeline wise. So what is this? <laughs> uh, it's them stopping him to bring them into Hauk's office, which we'll see uh, next minute, two minutes from now. But why is he going to Hauk's office at this point? Hauk gives him the mission. He doesn't have the mission yet. They don't even know it's... They don't... Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. Uh, I mean, Things haven't happened that are yeah, going to I mean, Okay. I, see. I mean, it's, I mean we might be playing... The mission doesn't exist yet to get. We might be playing with time here for all we know. I, I know? think we're playing with time, but I just it's frustrating for a movie that is so, like you said, linear and very purposefully... There's there's some weird some things are being done for story purposes that are very cool, but then when you are trying to analyze them, all of a sudden you realize like, wait, this can't be right. <laughs> and I just realized I'm doing this entire podcast, and next to me on my desk is a little plastic statue of Liberty. Oh my! Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of creeped out now. <laughs> Well, I just Googled Zuba's, Zuba's pants. Um, <laughs> and uh, I would not ever wear these pants. Uh, their website says if you're not wearing Zuba's, you're just wearing pants. I, I, I'm happy to just wear pants then. Uh, this is not my style. Dude, you're saying that now, but just think of when you were like 14, 15. Could you not see yourself just... No. No. Really? I, I... No, I wear blue, I wear blue you swear. jeans. I, I, no. <laughs> so if I buy you and Brad a pair of Zubas as like a party <laughs> gift for this podcast, you're saying you're not going to roll around. Your wife's not going to dig you rolling around in a pair of Zubas around the house. Oh, I expect oh, Zubas oh. to be at the next movies by minutes meetup, guys. <laughs> oh, she, she would dig it because she would sit there and, and be laughing her ass off. <laughs> Yeah, they supposed to for the entertainment of others, not the person yeah. wearing them. <laughs> They'll be awfully comfortable. <laughs> I'm really glad you looked that up. I'm glad oh, you have that yes. in your in your brain pan now. I, I am too. I am too. I'm glad we got that on the air. <laughs> the POV shot of following the orange line is just so cool. Yeah, let's talk about the orange line because. Um, the sign says that, that he's that he reads as he comes down the stairs says no talking no smoking follow the orange line and the word orange is actually in orange and underline just to make sure everyone knows it's the orange line it's but then the he's only walking, line he's, what, th- yes he's walking down the hall it's the only line why what huh it also felt like there should be more of the orange line because it was so emphasized well, I have a question that there's just a bunch of dudes standing around, right? Yeah, this okay. is a prison. And are they yeah. all dudes? None of them oh. are with that hair ladies? No, there's there there's a woman there, right? Isn't there? Yes. I thought there was. I think there's a woman there. Let us have this teeny tiny bit of representation. Yeah, I, I feel like I saw one also. <laughs> when, they're, when they're doing the everyone looking at him, which again yes. is the same thing. Why would all these people know this if we're never going to get the payoff for this shot that's what it is there's no payoff for the the build-up yeah so that's what i would like if john carpenter is a tease (laughs) if we're we're playing with time so there's there's two explanations i guess if if we are playing with time here then and and what's gonna the big thing that's gonna happen has already happened and then maybe these people all know what the mission is and 
they're checking this guy. Oh, this is the guy that's going to do it. If we're not playing with time and, and that hasn't happened yet, maybe he's one of the most famous prisoners they've ever had. And so they're like, oh, this is the famous Snake Plissken, you know? Yeah, I read it as everyone knows Snake Plissken. And I, I agree, you don't need to know who Snake Plissken is to begin with. But I feel like if you're going to set it up like, wow, everyone knows Snake Plissken, by the end of the movie, you should understand why. <laughs> mm. Yeah, and I, I think it is a little nebulous why they do that, hey, stop, hold. And, and it would be a strange, you're right, for, for the, the length of time that elapses. Because, you know, just right after this, you've got Bob Hawk, like, pulling up. And so yeah. what's what's actually transgressed in terms of the, the plane going down hasn't actually happened yet. So, I mean, I think I interpret it as just a part of his, that he's being muscled around. Yeah, it's part of the processing. I mean, and this is also, I got to say, not a bad location to work. I'm really like, in terms of a prison, I'm I'm really not feeling, you know, Klingon prison planet vibes <laughs> from this, honestly. Yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm like, man, I've worked in work. You know, I think my office looks crappier than this. Like, yeah. I just... <laughs> Um, and, and the other thing I found out is this was filmed in an art school. So I was like, oh, maybe that's what it is. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's cool. It's it, it's steel and concrete and, you know, whatnot. But, I mean, this is really for a maximum security prison processing situation. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, These people are not... awfully relaxed in the hallways. <laughs> yeah. They're just like, it almost like he's being paraded through a locker room. The thing is, it is a maximum security processing place, but... In you know real world maximum security processing is part of the same complex and structure as the prison itself, whereas here the prisoners are all on the other side of a river, you mm-hmm, know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you could be a little more relaxed because you're you're separated from them more. You know they're not in your day to day life when you're reporting to work. If you're you're in this building that's on Liberty Island in the middle of New York Harbor, so you're not in the same building where they're going to have a little more attention, maybe because the prisoners are, you know, much more part of your day-to-day life. Yeah. And I think there is that distance and that would make sense because they only ever see prisoners. What at most a few at a time, always handcuffed, always with the guard walking with them. And a lot of them probably are cowed at that point. I mean, some aren't sure. I'm sure some are like spitting and yelling and whatever because screw it, it's lessing. But we get from that announcement that you have the option to be terminated if and, you don't want to go to the island. Yeah, and, and cremated cre- on the premises. That's right. Yes, full service. But you know what I mean? Like, I'm <laughs> sure a lot of the people that they see walking through here following the orange line, you know, have their heads down. They are resigned. This is it. Dead man walking. And a lot of their day-to-day probably is, you know, paperwork. (laughs) What do you both think the percentage is of the prisoners who do choose the terminate and cremate option? I'm assuming... Oh, Oh, sorry. No, my bad. You go, you go. I don't have a number, but I'm going to say that it has gotten higher as time goes on and you hear more stories about how horrible it is. That when it first happened, a lot of people were like, yeah, I'll take my chances. I'll run that place. (laughs) And then the more time that goes by, the more people are like, oh, my God, they're sending me to New York. Yeah, that makes sense. See, I think about 20% would would choose to just 
end it here. Mm. You know, for fear alone. Mm-hmm. I, th- I, th- I was thinking even higher, like maybe even like 30, 35%. Yeah, that would be interesting. But then again, like, I feel like this is a nicer prison situation. I feel like there's places you can hide. I feel like, it, I mean, this is a gigantic, I mean, it's the whole island for Christ's right. sake. And then granted, right. I understand that there's a, a lot of people living on that island, but, you know, I feel like there's quite a bit of maneuverability for just living, you know? Sure. Like, so, I mean, I don't know. I, I can also see equally being like, I'm going to take my chances, you know? So uh, we leave that and we pop back outside. We see Remy again outside. And uh, then at the very last second, a mysterious limousine pulls up. And we won't know who's in that until next week. So that was my last note for this minute. You guys got anything else? Um, I do have one interesting anecdote. Yeah. Uh, apparently, uh, one of the times they were going to go... They were shooting in, uh, <laughs> in lovely downtown East St. Louis... Uh, but one night Russell had to run down a street and run a corner to get ready to, uh, to run in for a shot. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't anybody around him at the time. Um, and he was out of sight of the crew. And uh, suddenly there were like some really like rough dudes who approached him. And so um, this is the the quote that I found from him online. One night I had to go down about three blocks. We didn't have anybody to go down there with me. So I just geared up with all my guns and everything. Snakes coming in to wreak some havoc. And I came around the corner and there were these four guys there. We're around the corner now, and none of my guys can see me. I just looked at these guys, and they looked at me. And this is how different this was at that time. When you saw that guy with a serious machine gun and a knife and a bunch of stuff, you didn't know what it was even. I just flashed the light a little bit on the gun, and these guys looked at me. And they were really rough characters, and they just went, hey, man, easy, easy. And they turned and walked away. And I couldn't <laughs> wait to get back and tell John, I think this guy's going to work. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I love that that's his takeaway. Like, yeah, this character is realistic. <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah, so that was uh, a a real test of uh, what Snake looked like in the wild. And apparently he was a effective deterrent. So Snake is such a great character. I mean, I and, and again, my, my problems with it are we need more of him. So, I mean, that's fair. I'm very sad to hear that Escape from L.A. is not a uh, rollicking follow-up. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's that, not an endorsing noise. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's it's best to stay with the original, as far as I understand. <laughs> okay. Well, you'll find out, right? <laughs> oh no, no! Are you guys not going to do the franchise? No, What's no, no, oh, no, 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 no. no. Not, I'm not going anywhere. I mean, <laughs> oh, come it, on, P and Alex suffered through Attack of the Clones for us. <laughs> No, no, no. Uh, Attack of the Clones is is a masterpiece compared to Escape from L.A. No, no. Damn. <laughs> that should be on the poster. <laughs> it really should. <laughs> Tierney, let me throw this one at you. You did Return yeah. to Oz, correct? Mm-hmm. As one of your shows? Yeah. So let's say that the uh, the robot dude, whatever his name is. Okay, let's say that he ends up accidentally, or even on a purpose, maybe he broke the law and ends up in uh, New York prison. Which of the following two scenarios is most likely? Would the prisoners uh, utilize him for what he is, or would they destroy him for spare parts? I think that TikTok is the Royal Army of Oz and a pretty good fighter. So as long as he 
is wound up properly when he is introduced to the situation, I think he could be used as he is. Um, I think he would be an asset to any of these gangs. My worry is that some tweaker finds him first and one of his gears is wound down and he would get stripped before someone can realize how badass he is. Mm. So it's hard because it really would depend on his introduction. Um, Now, if he has been given a special mission and a glider and... (laughs) And get in. I think he's going to do okay. <laughs> awesome. Why don't you uh, give us one last chance here to get all your plugs in. Uh, let everybody know all the various places that they can hear you. Yeah, the best places to hear me are on my two completed Movies by Minutes podcasts, Return to Oz Minute and The Neverending Minute, which talked about the never-ending story. I'm currently working on MASH Minute. We have the website mashminute.com. And I will be doing uh, uh, Movies by Minutes analyzing Joe versus the Volcano. <laughs> uh, we thank you very much for hanging in the prison all week long. You, you oh, have survived your time, uh, New York Minute. And hey, let's also thank the man behind the scenes who isn't allowed to speak, Brad Mendenhall. <laughs> thank you, Brad. And, and doing everything that he does. No, no, don't turn on your mic, Brad. No, 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 no. No, I'm turning you off from in here. No, you cannot speak. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm thanking you, but you go too far trying to speak. Uh, hey, if you want to speak with us, though, online, uh, we're on Facebook in Brains Library, the Escape from New York Minute Hangout. We're also on Twitter, NY Minute Pod. Uh, if you like us, please rate and review us and uh, subscribe us so you never miss an episode. We will be back next week. And until then, be on time, stay out of the sewers. And we'll meet you on the other side of the wall. Mm-hmm.